0: Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max.
1: And I'm Tina.
0: And it has been a week.
1: It has been. I'm sorry if you hear any fan noise in the background. We are currently recording in our makeshift clean room while hazardous amounts of smoke wash over the state.
0: The entire West Coast is on fire and...
1: We're we're actually lucky enough to be in a part that isn't on fire, but we are covered in a hazardous amount of smoke.
0: Like literally we can't go into the rest of the house because it is full of smoke.
1: So I guess we may as well record.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, I mean, I'm sure we have listeners on the West Coast and I know we have listeners in Australia which is still having wildfire issues. I just everyone else, I hope you're all staying safe too.
0: Also, just maybe invest in a uh, air purifier.
1: Before the wildfires start Yeah If you're in an area that doesn't have wildfires yet Buy your air purifier now We learned that the hard way
0: Oh yeah, I hit up so many stores And one's arriving in a few days We'll be ready next time Because That's sadly That's grim, yeah Yeah But we're here to talk about Farscape
1: Yes, yes Let's talk about something cheerier
0: This is the last episode of season one.
1: This is. This is episode 22 of season one, Family Ties.
0: A.K.A. Everyone's Got Daddy Issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know Daddy Issues is not really a kosher thing to say, but
1: uh, it kind of applies in this episode. I mean, the thing about Daddy Issues is that generally it's said about women, Mm. and generally it's... When it's said about women, it's blaming women for... Issues that came from them having shitty dads? That's- what? No. But this is different. This is- oh, this is like... Bad dads. But it's not even bad dads. Actually, we talked about it on an earlier season. One of the things I like about Crichton is the fact that he has a good relationship with his dad. But that relationship really comes front and center here. Also, I do want to say it's not fair to say dad issues. There are definitely mom issues here, too.
0: Parental issues. Yes.
1: Yes. This actually really is reminding me of a quote I heard from Rachel Bloom about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where she said, none of these characters would be behaving the way they are behaving now if they had received unconditional love as a child.
0: She says that, but look at Josh.
1: I think she meant specifically Rebecca, hmm. and, maybe, and also to some extent Greg.
0: Definitely Nathaniel.
1: Oh, when, he wasn't a character yet when she said that, but yeah, definitely Nathaniel. What a good show that is. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this show, which is also very good. This is an amazing episode. This episode was directed by Tony Tilsey, a name you all know well now. He's mm. he's one of the core directors on Farscape. And, of course, this episode was written by David Kemper and Rodney S. O'Bannon. They also wrote last week's episode. We have to assume that they were kind of written to go together. Yes. Especially because this episode picks up where last week's left off, and that is traveling through the asteroid field... Trying to, uh... Get out of that safely.
0: Hmm. Still trying to escape as an alien guy.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Between last episode and this episode... Rigel has left the ship to go turn everyone over to Scorpius!
0: What a douche.
1: What a dick! Right? Sam Sam knows... So, I don't
0: get why anyone really trusts Rigel after this point. Honestly, this feels kind of like a, uh, character-destroying moment.
1: I mean, I don't know that anyone does trust Rigel after this. and No one trusted Rigel before
0: this. I mean, I know murder is bad, but it seems like at this point, like, maybe just throw him out an airlock? Like, you clearly can't trust this guy. He's stabbed them in the back so many times. And I know he's done useful things off-screen, but he really hasn't been useful enough to justify them not just ditching him on whatever planet they show up to next.
1: So it's interesting that you say that. There's a lot of sci-fi properties, I feel like, where there's just so much danger that you can't, be with a person who is not trustworthy There's there's such a thin A thin margin for error When you're in space Or when you're on a new colony Like in the uh, Anne McCaffrey uh, Pern? Yeah, in the Pern books there, there are people in the early Pern stories Where I'm like, you know, you really just should have exiled him From the community, he's gonna cause a lot of trouble mm. And That is true Like, I, I see that Battlestar Galactica, the new Battlestar Galactica series, actually has President Rosalind just airlocking people willy nilly because they're too much of a danger to the rest of the ragtag fleet. And then we kind of get an examination of what it is to descend into authoritarianism. So.
0: Yeah, but this is more kicking a guy off debate team because he keeps on shouting F you. You know, in the middle of debates and getting you disqualified
1: I mean, it, at, at a point it gets to be the horseshoe problem Like, when, are, when is tolerating The intolerable mm. co- Itself the, the source of problems I'm just saying, it's, it's an interesting debate to have But they're not going to get rid of that puppet
0: Yes So, they radio up Rigel and they're like Hey, have you tried not stabbing us all in the back? And
1: Aaron knows that Rigel is all about self-interest and is like, um, you know that they're not going to honor any deal they make with you, right? They're freaking peacekeepers. Yeah, not promise keepers.
0: I mean, I don't know if Rigel knows this, but I feel like John does at this point. No, I, th- I feel like everyone probably knows. Like, Grace killed his most loyal lieutenant for basically no reason. Right? Like, what is Rigel's best case scenario here? But Rigel's like, being an idiot is way better than... Like, I don't get his logic here. He's like, oh no, I'm, I'm going to get everything I want by turning you over to the peacekeepers.
1: Well, I mean, to jump ahead a little bit, it would make sense to me if Rigel wasn't telling everyone else what he was doing, but he knew what the situation was on the command carrier. The situation being that Scorpius has taken over and Crace's best case scenario is a court-martial. And his plan was what ends up happening, which was recruiting Crace, bringing him back to Moya, and using his knowledge to help them escape. If that was Rigel's plan... Even if he wasn't telling everybody, I'd say, well, he's a jerk, but it would make more sense. But that's not his plan. His plan is to turn them over. Yeah. I think Rigel's problem is that even though he's been a prisoner for hundreds of years, he was a dominar. You know, he was raised as a king, so no matter how long he's been a prisoner, there's a part of his brain that just really does believe that he's better than other people and that he's owed a respect that will eventually come if he keeps demanding it.
0: I just I hate him so much. <laughs> so he gets picked up by the censors of Krace's ship, and on the ship, SM alien guys pointing out, like, Hey Krace, it's pretty effed up that you have this museum of dead aliens just like in your throne room or captain's quarters so, or whatever.
1: Apparently, Crease has like a huge problem with Hynerians. A thing that we did not previously know and I don't think ever talk about again, but his his quarters where he sleeps and eats and like lives is filled with stuffed heads of Hynerians he has killed.
0: It's pretty weird.
1: That is pretty weird.
0: And it would make sense if he I don't know, grew up on one of their colony planets or something before.
1: Well, we know he wasn't raised in a peacekeeper crèche, so, I mean, that's a possibility that he was on a Hainarian colony. I don't think so, though. Pretty sure not. No, I mean... Yeah.
0: Obviously, if he was, then the peacekeepers would have just executed him as soon as he tried to join up. We know how they feel about...
1: Well, he was actually... He was actually, uh... Drafted. He didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah. yeah. But I don't think they go to...
1: Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they consider free sebations, which weirdly is what he would have been if he had been on a Hynerian colony. Yeah, I don't think they consider free sebations, peacekeepers.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, s Alien's like, so, pretty effed up, dude, that you've got all these, you know, alien heads all over the place. You are gonna put Crichton's head up when, uh, you kill him? And Kreese is like, mm-hmm.
1: So Rigel shows up and is like, okay, let's make a deal.
0: I just I don't get why he thinks this I don't I don't even get why he thinks this is a good idea. What about anything that has happened in this show to this point makes him think that this is a situation that's going to go well for him? Like even if it's not Grace in charge, are other peacekeepers particularly different than Grace? Like
1: No, I mean they they might be less Obsessed with tracking down John, but that's just gonna make them Less likely to make a deal, not more
0: Yeah, like His big bargaining chip I mean, I I guess probably He knows SNM Alien Guy has the hots for John too Because of the brain You know Yeah. The wormhole knowledge in his brain but.
1: (laughs) So on Moya The rest of the crew is trying to figure out What to do You know with this new development, mm. with this unhappy development, and we get some exposition that Moya's baby's guns aren't developed enough to work as guns, and also that Moya is not going to starburst away without the baby, and uh, the baby is not developed enough yet to starburst, so that's that's where we are. They are stuck, basically, here. John says that having been in the Aurora Chair, he is not going to let himself get taken alive by the Peacekeepers. Mm. Which, I think, calls back to Dargo's statement before that he would not be taken alive by the Peacekeepers. It's like, now John has really experienced what the Peacekeepers are.
0: Yeah, so they're coming up with a plan, which is basically, hey, why don't we just have someone, you know... ...load up one of the little ships that we've got with explosives and just fly it directly up their asses and
1: pfft. Yeah.
0: So, I, I guess drones aren't really so much a thing... in space.
1: Well, they could... program the transport to just fly at the command carrier, you know, filled with explosives. I assume. But the problem is, they're gonna have peacekeepers shooting at them. So they need it to be driven by someone who can evade the peacekeepers. So that's not going to work. Also-
0: Well, I mean, again, drones.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you could control it remotely. Yeah, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. To be fair, that wasn't a thing in our world yet, either. This wasn't a- This is 1999. Drones weren't really a military thing for us yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on. Future technology. (laughs) Remote control helicopters were a thing back then
1: I guess that's true But it doesn't matter because A transport even filled with explosives Is not going to make a dent on the command carrier So They realize what it might make a dent on Is the Oil filled surface of the planet Where the gamut base is Mm. Yeah
0: So On the Peacekeeper ship Rigel is stuffing himself and he makes a third stomach joke, which is such a go-to thing for aliens.
1: For aliens to have more than one stomach?
0: Yeah. Huh. I mean, I guess it's just an easy way to establish someone as alien, but...
1: I mean, cows have multiple stomachs.
0: Do you fish?
1: I don't think so. We S- also find out that they can't put Rigel in the Aurora chair because it would basically just kill him instantly.
0: Hmm. That's a good talk around for this.
1: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Look at him, he's so tiny He's a tiny little fish man, you put him in that Aurora chair It's just gonna like, fillet him
0: So SNM alien guy's like You know what, I believe you You are a little piece of crap I definitely believe that you would betray Your people like that, so come on <sniffs> Give give me what you got And Rigel's like, well yeah I need stuff first, I need a ship And a guarantee of my freedom And a crew, and like
1: A bunch a, of money Yeah,
0: a billion space dollars
1: I like that Scorpius is like, he's just wasting our time because these demands are so outlandish. He doesn't believe this is a real demand, but this actually is... Rachel's not stalling. This actually is his real outlandish demand.
0: I guess being given literally anything you want growing up kind of messes up the way you interact with the world at large.
1: Yeah, I guess so. So back on Moya, Chiana is not liking any plan that involves her being handcuffed because... SHE ALSO DOES NOT WANT TO BE RETAKEN!
0: Hey look, it's literally the exact same thing we had with Dargo not too long ago, and fittingly it's Dargo who's trying to talk Chiana into, uh, putting on the handcuffs.
1: You're right, the first two scenes with Dargo this episode have been people telling Dargo things that he previously told other people. Between John telling him that he wouldn't be taken alive, and Chiana telling him that she's not gonna be in chains. And Dargo! Dargo's like, God, you're being a real pain in the ass!
0: Jeez, Darko, I wonder what it's like to have to deal with that all the time.
1: Uh, to be yeah. fair, he also tells Chiana that he cares about her, and he just wants to do a plan that's gonna keep her alive.
0: Hard doubt. You guys have known each other for, like, 15 minutes, and Darko sucks. Although, I don't know, maybe, maybe this fits in with him sucking, where, you know, he's like, I only don't trust people when it's gonna put everyone in danger for no reason.
1: <laughs> oh. Anyway... In another part of Moya, Zan is making is mixing up a batch of explosives.
0: Yes, and she's describing what she's doing to John. The makeup looks weird here. I can't tell if it's, like, cheaper or something.
1: I don't know. It, look, think, it
0: looks different. It looks less involved.
1: I think the yellow lighting in this scene, because this scene does have really intense yellow lighting, is washing out... The, I'm sure, hours they spent putting little blue dots on her head
0: Hmm. So, Zan talks about how she's built a whole new family here And she doesn't want to lose it But there's no way they're all going to survive this And it seems weird that everyone's so about to die-ish Considering I don't really think this is one of their Even deadlier situations that they're in
1: Oh, I Disagree They're they're coming up with plans but I think at this point they know that there's really no out here they're they're in checkmate you know like they haven't their king hasn't been toppled but there's no move they can make that doesn't involve them being captured by the peacekeepers and as previously stated by every other character they will not be taken alive by the peacekeepers this is this is the end of the line this is that moment in Toy Story 3 where they all hold hands before they jump into the fire Mm. And I... You know I'm a sucker for shows about found family. And that's exactly what we're getting in these scenes. Essentially, all of these characters declaring that they are each other's found family. Which is why it is very convenient that Rigel is off the ship betraying them. Because no one considers Rigel found family.
0: Accurate.
1: (laughs) Speaking of found family, Aaron is talking to Pilot.
0: And, uh... Pilot is having a kind of rough time because Moya is super anxious about her baby, which, good instincts, Moya. Your baby kind of sucks.
1: Hey, well.
0: I mean, did she give birth to a teenager?
1: Yeah, essentially, right?
0: And I'm going to be fair here, Moya doesn't seem to like her baby all that much. She seems to only like her baby in ways that, you know, inconvenience the crew.
1: She loves her baby, though.
0: She loves her baby enough not to do anything that'll save the people inside her, but she also, like, doesn't like talking to him or spending time with him, and they have basically no connection whatsoever.
1: Okay, that's uh, that's not actually accurate. They have a connection now. They didn't have a connection before until Aaron went aboard, because she couldn't speak to him. It's like she gave birth to a child who didn't understand her language, and she had to learn a whole other language to talk to it. And honestly, I can think of a lot of human... You know uh, Metaphorical correlations to that
0: I guess It's just I don't know I don't know I don't feel the connection between these two Characters I know Moy is supposed to be a character And uh, what's his bucket Talon is supposed to be a character But I legit don't feel it I don't see their connection at all I, I see Aaron's connection to Talon and mm-hmm. I see her connection to Pilot, and Pilot's connection to her. But I don't get any sense that Moya and her child have connected in any way. Because normally, with, you know, parents and children, you get at least some interaction.
1: Well, I mean, it's hard, because they're ships. Even even though they are living ships.
0: I you, you can't have shots of them, like, flying next to each other, having fun. There's nothing that has established this connection to make me care about it.
1: I feel like I care about the connection as it was established between Aaron and Talon, and... Because
0: that's a more real connection, because they've actually spent time together. Yeah. Because they had scenes together.
1: It's true. I mean, we can... We, we know that they are connected in, in an almost telepathic way, you know, by radio waves, uh, Moya and Talon are. So we know that they are communicating, even though you're right, they don't show it. It's not shown.
0: Yeah, like... Literally the only point of connection we have is Pilot explaining to everyone, Oh, Moya and Talon are, you know, Moya and the baby at that point, are communicating now. Like, we have a third party tell us that there's this connection being formed. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it.
1: I mean, I guess I'm disagreeing with you because I feel like the work, the heavy lifting was done for me to have an emotional connection with Aaron's scenes. And you're right that that's Aaron, not Moya, but... I, I still feel the connection because because Claudia Black made me feel it. Claudia Black knelt down on that set and and spoke so passionately to those Christmas tree lights that she made me believe.
0: Yeah, I believe that she has a connection to the baby ship. I don't believe that Moya does.
1: I guess I'm, I'm willing to transitive property Moya into her because Moya is not really a character that we can interact with outside of like interacting with Pilot.
0: Which honestly I feel like is sort of a negative... Thing with the show hmm. Like I feel like Moya should be more of a character Than she is
1: Sorry I was just thinking about Andromeda Where where they embodied the ship Inside of a sexy woman So yeah. that you could feel a connection to the ship
0: Yeah Luxo
1: Ugh. Sorry I mean she's fine That show is terrible uh, the, But you didn't
0: <laughs> like the scene where she was watching uh, Kevin Sorbo shower
1: Just the idea that like Oh, we're, we're going with the trope that a captain is married to his ship, but uh, we have to no-homo it by embodying the ship in this hot woman. Yes. Surely you're not asking them to do that.
0: <laughs> no, but, like, you, you can do stuff to, like, make a ship feel, like... You can do stuff to make transportation feel like a character or a location feel like a character.
1: I mean, you're right. like Moya has never had to do that because Moya has pilot to speak for her. but they have already done that with Talon, so you're right, it's possible. Talon feels like a character. I yeah, feel Talon.
0: Talon feels way more like a character than Moya. Like we get Talon's issues. Moya's just at best and like at best she's helpful. at worst, she's an active obstacle.
1: I mean, she's
0: a leviathan. She's a great ship. Is she? I mean, obviously she's a leviathan. Is she a great ship? It seems like every episode is, oh, Moya doesn't feel like doing her (laughs) job this week. She
1: was pregnant! She had to protect her baby!
0: You know, the baby that she hated and refused to talk to as soon as she gave birth to it.
1: No, she wasn't refusing to talk to it. It wasn't talking to her. It wouldn't connect to her.
0: I thought neither one of them was connecting to each other.
1: No, 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 the baby wouldn't talk to her.
0: Well, it would have been nice if we saw her doing something to show that she was upset by that.
1: I don't know, maybe... Uh, and you you know, because we watched this episode already, that the ending of it made me, like, really, really broke me in a way that I don't think it did the first time I watched it. So maybe I'm just more sensitive now that I'm myself am my a mother. Hmm. I'm pulling out the mom card. I'm like, well, I'm a mother now! Therefore, any- Seriously. Seriously? Any fiction involving parents and children is just freaking breaking me right now. Even if they're ships. A ship that has no embodiment, that never speaks, that has no personality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Erin is have Everyone's having doom conversations is basically the grand bulk of this episode. And Aaron's having her doom conversation with Pilot- where, you know, pilots like, hey, so have you come up with a name for Moya's kid before we all, you know, eat it?
1: This is actually really dramatic because they're worried about getting retaken by the Peacekeepers and Moya doesn't want a Peacekeeper to name her ship.
0: So the Peacekeepers don't, like, rename the ships after they find them?
1: I don't think they do.
0: Hmm. I mean, again, I wonder about Peacekeeper Society and, like, how creative are they? Do they have art? And someone came up with that logo, right?
1: Well, I mean, that logo was clearly stolen from the Vulcans I don't think they No, I don't think they do have art I think they only steal I think they're parasitical that way I think they only steal art from other cultures That they take over
0: So, Pilot's like, look You should name the baby before everything goes down And Aaron's like, well, I want to give the baby the right name And also, hey, maybe if I don't do this, then everything will be fine. Who knows? Yeah, you know, that kind of magical thinking
1: that you get on TV shows, right? As they're about to go into the big battle. Like, uh... Like not telling people that you just got engaged.
0: Hmm. So, Aaron goes to see John for another Doom conversation.
1: John was trying to leave a voice recording for his dad. His final Doom conversation for his dad. You know, the conversation that...
0: I, I think it's come up twice, like, he did he did it in the pilot, and then he did it in, like, one other episode, and now they're bringing it back for the uh, finale.
1: Oh, that's true, yes, but I was actually saying that it's that conversation that the people who find your destroyed ship find, and then they listen to the log. Like, he's trying, he's, he's really trying to make that dramatic last, last journal entry for the people who find him.
0: Mm. It's that scene from Lower Decks.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Aaron talks to John about how he has dad issues, especially since, remember, this whole thing is because Scorpius wants the wormhole technology in his head, the wormhole technology that was put there by an alien that took the form of his dad. Mm. And Aaron tells a story about her parents. She says one night a soldier appeared over her bunk, battle-hardened, scarred, it was her mother.
0: Yeah, John's like your dad and Aaron's like, "Eh, it was my mom." You know, Samus Aaron Twist in that story.
1: I can't operate. This patient is my son. God. Fun fact, we'll see that scene later hmm. when we finally meet Aaron's mother. We'll get it in a flashback. But Aaron says that when her mom showed up at in her bunk, cuz remember, unlike Grace, Aaron was Raised in a peacekeeper crèche, so it was. She wasn't supposed to ever meet her parents, Mm. but her mother showed up because her mother wanted her to know that she wasn't just like an obligatory birth to fill out peacekeeper ranks. Her parents were in love with each other, and they wanted to have a baby together.
0: Everyone's seen *Man of Steel*, right? It's that bit in the beginning of *Man of Steel*.
1: I actually. I was so. Man of Steel was so boring. I know you just said beginning, but I, I checked out so early. What what bit?
0: The bit where uh, the Council of Krypton is going to have Doral killed because he and his wife had a baby through sex instead of, you know, the cloning tubes.
1: God, I forgot that was an issue. <laughs> I was actually going to connect this to uh, Once Upon a Time because you know what Aaron has just discovered? What? She's the product of true love!
0: Oh, God, yes. I defend parts of Man of Steel. I do like that they brought over the one thing I enjoyed from John Byrne's run on uh, Superman, because a lot of his stuff was bad. But I do like the whole Kryptonians being xenophobic, awful, awful people to explain why this super scientific... uh, race of people were all planet bound i mean they were too racist to leave their home planet even when it was actively blowing up
1: i mean nailed it i guess nailed it anyway back to first game
0: yes so uh john asks aaron to leave his dad a message on his talkie box and aaron's like i'm not gonna do that john
1: She's, I, I, I'm glad that Aaron is at every corner resisting this, like, melancholy, my last journal entry stuff.
0: So, meanwhile, Rachel is having a sexy, sexy bath.
1: It is, like, honestly, it's the kind of bath I would like. It's so steam-filled. It must be so hot in there. I, 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 I take my baths, like, super, super hot.
0: Somehow he did not notice that this room is, you know, full of Hylerian. Hylerian. Hynerian heads. Yeah. I think I keep thinking and like the people from... Uh...
1: Zelda. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But he somehow he didn't notice this until he was, you know, relaxing in the bath.
1: It's, it's funny because it's a callback almost to the sequence in Throne for a Loss where he's eating out of the bowl and he realizes that the bowl is a Hynerian skull.
0: Mm. He's like... Boy, the universe does not like Hynerians.
1: Right? Well, I mean...
0: Who would? So... So, Kreis comes in and he's like, hey, yeah, enough of this pampering stuff. Legitimately tell me what I want to know, or I'm going to kill you. And... Rigel's like, look, I know enough of what's going on where, like, I know you have no power here. Literally nothing you do matters. I'm, I'm only talking to the S&M guy. And then Chris is like, hmm, interesting, and starts drowning him, which you wouldn't think would work.
1: He can drown. We know he can drown. Goodness. They're like frogs.
0: Oh. Yeah. He's going down real fast, though. Yeah. I, I like how chris is like, look, everyone hates a traitor. This is not going to end well for you, no matter what. I can give you a quick death, though.
1: Yeah, Raja's like, what would you know about that? And he's like, well, just so happens, I also am kind of a traitor in that I ignored my superiors, killed my lieutenant, and went on the run. So, uh, maybe, maybe I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And then we Gilligan cut back to Moya, where... Rigel has returned and the crew is standing in the loading bay waiting for the ship to dock so they can see what fresh hell this is. So Rigel comes out and and he's like, hey, listen, y'all know I am a drama queen. So let me have my moment. Whatever you do, don't shoot when what happens next happens. And then Grace steps out.
0: Uh Whoa. Yeah. So Grace tells them he's like, hey, look, I made a deal with Rigel, and now I'm gonna be your new pal!
1: Woo! Yeah, he's like, I asked Rigel for asylum, and I... I honestly, to Chris's benefit, everyone else on the Moya's crew is just too surprised to shoot him. They're like, wait, what? What?
0: So... John tells, uh, Pilot to have the DRDs crawl up Kreis' butt and make sure that he doesn't have, like, a tracking chip in him or whatever.
1: Also, they're gonna turn one of the cells on the ship back into a cell so that they can lock Kreis in a cell.
0: Did they not have a cell handy already?
1: Um, she says to reactivate the door locks, so I think they had Uh. them set so that they weren't, you know, now they're just rooms.
0: So Dargo starts wailing on Kreis a little bit, and Kreis is like, I guess it's true what they say about whatever the hell, uh... Dargo's people are. Luxons? Luxons. They think with their murder brain and not their thinking brain.
1: So Dargo does what anyone would do. He beats up Krace until Krace admits that yes he knew that Dargo was not the one who killed his wife.
0: I'm kind of surprised Dargo cares
1: if Krace knew or not.
0: Yeah what does it matter at this point? Also I'm kind of surprised Krace knows that because I got the impression that Moya was kind of a you know, big ship that had lots of prisoners? Although apparently not- No,
1: I think these were the only prisoners. Isn't that
0: a huge waste of resources, then? Because isn't Moya supposed to be, like, a city or whatever?
1: Yeah, she's giant. I don't know why these were the only prisoners.
0: These Christ, peacekeepers. Learn how to budget.
1: Well, this is what happens when you spend too much money on the military. They can afford to, like, imprison five people on a single ship, and then they just- they go all fascist on you.
0: So, Aaron and John throw Grace into a cell, and Aaron's like, Do you have anything you want to say to me, Grace? And Grace is like, No.
1: Grace is like, Remember two weeks ago when you literally left me for dead? That was our time to have this moment. We're done having those moments.
0: Yeah, like the We really don't have anything unresolved between us.
1: Like, you turned on a machine to kill me and walked away! We're...
0: So Aaron, having no character development reason to stay in this situation, leaves so that John and Grace can hash it out some more. Yup. Yep. John doesn't super believe that Grace is just here because he's out of options, but like... He's out of options, I mean
1: I mean, like you said, John doesn't believe that And then we cut to Rigel in the the mess hall Explaining to Zan, no, he was on the ship He saw, Kreese is definitely in trouble Scorpius is in charge now And, uh, they may as well team up Like, he's Zuko in the third season of Avatar The Last Airbender
0: God, they really kind of rushed that, didn't they? I mean, it works, and you have so many iconic moments from those, like Five episodes?
1: It's weird. I think of Zuko as having a really long redemption arc, but.
0: I mean, he does. It's basically the whole series. But, like, he's only with the good guys for a relatively short period.
1: Meanwhile, we have, like, four more seasons of Farscape, and. Yeah, so many. It's a lot. So, Craig theoretically has time to do a long, drawn out redemption, but he doesn't really. I mean.
0: So. Zan is kind of like, So Rigel, any reason we shouldn't really kill you at this point? He's like, uh, remember I engineered the original escape and blah, blah 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 Yeah, he's, uh, he's,
1: he's really cashing in that I helped us escape the first time shit a
0: lot. Like, honestly, I feel like he's kind of blown that by this point. Right? So, Aaron is having her... Final goodbye moment with Dargo now Because we're just going to get these for everyone Yeah, she's they're
1: loading up explosives onto the transport And they're uh, Having their I respect you as a warrior moment
0: So, Starro is just Not on the ship anymore, right? Stark? Yes
1: Stark is not on the ship, he went off to take care Of something else, he'll be back He, he ran out to get cigarettes Speaking of daddy
0: issues God Because it seemed, I mean Oh I, I get it, they, you know, added Chiana to the cast very suddenly and very, you know, they ingratiated her right away. I kind of assumed they were going to do it that with Stark, but I guess not.
1: Yeah, it, it's weird, I, it's done in such an odd way that I have to assume that there was something going on with the actor where they couldn't bring him in until later. Hmm. Wait, maybe he was filming The Matrix? This is about when The Matrix, no, Matrix would have already been filmed when they were doing this.
0: wait. I thought The Matrix came out in, like, 1999. So did the
1: season of TV. Oh,
0: yeah. Who is he in The Matrix?
1: He's one of the agents. No. He Not the one agent. Of... <laughs> not Smith. He's one of the other agents.
0: From the first movie, where there were a bunch of them.
1: Yeah. So, speaking of speaking of daddy issues, Dargo talks about how sad he is that he isn't going to get to see his son, and Aaron's all like... You're a great man, I'm sure your son is going to be a great man Because he's got your blood And
0: Okay <laughs> But, yeah
1: they're, they're showing how that they are comrades now Whereas they started off as literal enemies I like that I like that they've grown into You know, crewmates They, they care about each other They'll defend each other it doesn't matter anymore that Erin used to belong to the military that had imprisoned Dargo. Mm. She has left that behind, and Dargo trusts her, and vice versa.
0: I do like that she mentions over the course of this conversation that she didn't expect to live as long as she's lived currently.
1: Yes, because she was born to be a soldier. That means she was born to be expendable.
0: Mm. So, meanwhile, the s alien guy is talking to one of his lieutenants. And- well, I mean...
1: It was It's Crace's lieutenant, but, uh... It, we, <laughs> it was Crace's lieutenant!
0: So, he's like, Sir, if you don't mind me asking, why did you let Crace go? Because, obviously, he was aware that Crace was returning Fishtifer to the, uh... To Moya, Yeah. And, uh... SNM alien guy hints at
1: maybe having powers or something? It's more like he has a bigger plan. He's like, we all have windows of usefulness.
0: You think she's still feeding people to that bone vampire?
1: That's a great question. I do not have an answer to that question.
0: I'm really surprised that didn't come back. I mean, if you have a a bone vampire...
1: Right? It's weird that you have a bone vampire in your back pocket and you don't want to use it. So... John and Kreis are having some man talk
0: oh yeah they're serious dudes having a serious dude talk about man feelings or whatever
1: I mean to be fair like we're kind of dismissing it but this is a very serious man feeling where he's like hey you know I didn't kill your brother right and Kreis is like yeah I guess I kind of know but at some point my whole identity had become the guy who's chasing Crichton so what was I gonna do not be the guy who's chasing Crichton
0: it's like that book, Space Moby Dick.
1: Yeah, I felt like that guy. Space Ahab?
0: Yeah, you know, he's hunting the space whale. It's a whole thing. Or, alternatively, Space Wizard of Oz. and.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say alternatively, Space Leviathan. I mean, Moby Dick is a whale, but Leviathans are generally thought of as being whale-like. That's why we get the story of Jonah and the whale, even though the Bible specifically says Leviathan. Mm.
0: Which is a... I know I've talked about this before, but it is my favorite Bible story because people misread it. It's not about, you know, God helping Jonah live in the belly of a whale. I mean, that's the, the good visual image from it. But it is about a guy who hates the city so much, he is willing to die at several different points. Just so that God will kill everyone in that city.
1: Oh, I was thinking it was about how God is that guy who calls you, and then when you don't pick up, just keeps calling instead of leaving a message or sending you a text.
0: Like <laughs> literally, Jonah tries to kill himself rather than preaching Niven, Niven, Nineven, Niven, whatever. Oh, like he tries to kill. Like he's he's like because God, you know the story.
1: Yes, of course. I'll I'll just tell it here.
0: So, God tells Jonah, Hey, look, there's a city that's full of a whole bunch of sin, and I'm going to go all Sodom and Gomorrah on their asses unless you, you know, preach there. And if you preach there and, you know, convert people, then, uh, you know, I'll spare the city. And Jonah's like, Oh, I hate that city. Blow it up. And God's like, no, 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 that, that I was asking, but that was really more of a command. Go preach in that city. And Jonah's like, no, I want to see, I want, I want to see you blow it up. I'm going to go as far away from the city as possible. And God's like, okay, then I'm just going to create a storm so that, you know, if you don't turn around, I'll sink your boat and I'll kill all these dudes. And Jonah's like, well, I don't want other people to die because I'm not that bad, even though I want you to kill everyone in that city. So I'm just going to jump overboard and drown. You're not going to get me preaching in that city. And God's like, oh, yeah? Whale. Well,
1: Leviathan.
0: Leviathan. Leviathan. It's going to swallow you. I'm going to keep you alive using God powers. It's going to puke you up (laughs) back at the city and you are going to preach. And Jonah's like, ugh, fine. You know, after three days, he's like, fine, I guess if I'm not going to die here or whatever, fine. So he preaches and he saves everyone. It is my favorite Bible story, because it's kind of no moral theater. I mean, I guess it the moral is do whatever the authorities tell you to, or they'll make your life demonstrably worse.
1: That's also the moral of the city of Jericho.
0: Arguably, it's no moral theater. Possibly it's bad moral theater, but... It is my favorite story from the Bible
1: My favorite Bible story is uh, Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors Because it's about exacting revenge Like long festering revenge On your dick brothers who sold you into slavery
0: (laughs) It's like Puss in Boots I guess it's not like Puss in Boots
1: It's like Count of Monte Cristo Mm. Like I mean who doesn't Who doesn't dream of You, your brother's Are being real dicks to you Mm -hmm. But then you end up The second most powerful person in Egypt And then Your brothers like super duper need you And they don't recognize you So you can jerk them around a little bit
0: I mean isn't that basically like You know the whole thing about Coming back to your high school reunion But you're really hot now Except
1: Yes Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors Is the ultimate 10 year high school reunion story Yes, that is accurate. That's an accurate statement. So, on Moya, Crace is letting them know that what we were saying before—they can't blow up the command carrier with the with the transport—but they're going to have to blow up.
0: They have to blow up something.
1: They have to blow up something. I mean, it is the season finale. Yes. Oh, fun fun fact that you should keep in mind as we as we approach the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. They didn't know if they were coming back. The show was really popular, but it was also really expensive, and it had not yet been renewed for season two. So keep in mind, as we reach the ending, that Rodney Bannon was fine with this being the end of Farscape.
0: He really elfed it.
1: I'm just saying. I, I think this will give you more of an understanding when we reach the actual end of Farscape, that we have a man who was capable of doing this kind of thing.
0: Hmm. So... They talk about how they're just going to blow up the moon, as one does.
1: As one does.
0: Shiana very poetically says, light his world on fire. So, yeah, basically the whole thing is, hey, if one of us goes, you know, towards his moon with all the explosives, he'll have to stop that person from blowing up the moon and everyone else can escape in Moya.
1: Which means that whoever's going down is... Probably not going to be the one who escapes
0: God, Drone's kind of ruined a lot of this sort of dramatic thing In sci-fi and or war movies, didn't it? Yeah they...
1: I mean, one of one of many things They uh, We also learned that apparently Talon can scoot in close enough to Moya That she can in fact starburst hmm. um, To be fair... The whole reason John and Aaron are here is because their ships got caught in Moya's starburst in the first episode. So that's not like that's a new thing we're learning about Moya.
0: Yeah, but it would have been a convenient thing to bring up before this point. Also, why can't they just starburst now, then?
1: I think they don't have enough room, because they're inside of an asteroid field. They have to, like, get up of... to 88 miles per hour.
0: A lot of things had to converge for this plot to go down the way it's going down. Which, as we've discovered from everything, is not, I guess, super uncommon.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's entirely possible for a lot of things to go wrong at once.
1: I mean, it seems a little much to have coast-destroying wildfires and a pandemic. So, Dargo is being... All warrior alien and insisting that he's gonna Drive the the transport Aaron's like stop being noble we all Want to be the ones to sacrifice ourselves Because I too am basically from a warrior race
0: It's all Hawkeye and Black Widow and the jumping off the cliff Bit from uh Infinity War that was the one right or Endgame? Endgame yeah,
1: yeah. Except that Aaron can't go because she has to stay And help take care of Talon because Talon's still Basically just listening to her also, weirdly, clearly, John has to be the one driving the transport pod. It's going to end up being both Dargo and John in the transport pod, but I don't know why Dargo had to go at all. And the fact is, it has to be John, because Scorpius really won't turn and give chase unless he thinks John might otherwise die, because that's that's all he cares about is the wormhole knowledge in John's head. Yeah. Then Erin gets to have a conversation with Zan, because she hasn't had a conversation with Zan yet about how they're going to die. Hmm. But I like...
0: Aaron is really the focal point for a lot of these last conversations.
1: That's because Aaron is kind of...
0: The heart of the show. In
1: a weird way. She doesn't understand how Zan is so zen about the possibility of dying. And I like that Zan says that as soon as she murdered that guy, and, you know, did that, then she was basically... In her own mind, sentenced to death, and every minute after that is just bonus minutes.
0: Hey, it's basically the same thing Aaron said earlier about, you know, thinking that she was going to die a long time ago. Yeah. Huh. So, John is, uh... John is having a goodbye conversation with Chiana because we're just... Yeah, we're, doing our, we're doing
1: our goodbye conversations.
0: And I guess you can really have a good one with Aaron and Chiana because they've spent basically no time together. Yeah. So, Chiana's like, "Hey, are you gonna do the whole death mission thing with the Luxon guy? How, how's that gonna break down?" And John's like, eh, "You wanna doink before I kill myself?"
1: Well, Chiana's doing the like weird
0: sexy cat thing
1: yes but also the kind of oh you're gonna go die i really thought we were eventually gonna hook up but no now you're gonna die
0: hey hey in my culture we say goodbye with a hearty grab of the ass
1: i mean she kind of says that she's like i want to thank you for saving my life and that's kind of how i thank people
0: and john's like hey never before the big game (laughs) which is you know the opposite of how this sort of thing uh, genuinely works isn't it
1: No, 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 no. there's, like, a thing, I only know this from pop culture because I went to both a high school and a college that had no sports teams, but there's a thing where you're not supposed to have sex right before a game because it, like, distracts you, you want to be, like, all hyper-focused, you you want to have all, you you want to have all of that, like...
0: Pent-up sex energy for when you're playing sports against dudes?
1: Yes, that is correct. I mean, you said it sarcastically, but that's 100% the the thought process.
0: I mean, honestly, I think Future Man's smarter with the whole you-have-to-have-sex-before-battle-so-your-head-is-clear.
1: So, So, um, Future Man, and also, this show. Because we'll learn that's kind of how peacekeepers think. Mm. And yet, Aaron wasn't like, hey, let's have sex. Just throwing that out there.
0: So, meanwhile, back in... God, SNM Alien looks like he's in a dungeon. I know it's the Peacekeeper ship. It's but...
1: weird, right? Because his aesthetic is SNM Alien, so it would make sense for his quarters to have that aesthetic, but these aren't his quarters, these are crisis quarters. Anyway, the lieutenant comes to tell him that Peacekeeper High Command has decided he's in charge, so he's officially the one to to see now about blowing things up.
0: which speaking of the lieutenant's like so should we like offer them the chance to surrender so you could you know maybe get the knowledge out of that dude's head and SM alien's like nope blow him up blow him up
1: also he says try to take control of the baby ship because he knows Scorpius knows that it probably hasn't connected properly to Moya because it's part peacekeeper so he says try to take control of the baby ship and if you can't take control of the baby ship just kill the baby ship
0: It seems like this plan is going to lose him John, which was the big thing that he was after, but...
1: Well, he does not yet know that John's going to fly a transport ship full of explosives into the Gamak base. Yeah,
0: but he's like, blow the crap out of all of them.
1: No, 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 out of of Talon. He says to just cripple the Leviathan. Ah. Yeah. So, speaking of... Moya's ship, Moya's baby...
0: Aaron is having a last goodbye situation with Krace, who is being inappropriate with Talon, considering Aaron, he's a baby ship.
1: Aaron has made the giant mistake of showing Krace Talon.
0: Gross. Okay,
1: remember remember that Talon was Krace's project. Talon was supposed to gestate and be born on Moya, and that was... Like, I don't know why he had prisoners, he just also had prisoners... But the thing he was trying to do was to develop a hybrid peacekeeper leviathan ship. He said that they'd tried it before, but none of them were born successfully because all of those leviathans were in captivity, so they couldn't give birth. They didn't have a they didn't have a Nabari to midwife them. And
0: so, so, because the peacekeepers couldn't figure out C sections, this project failed.
1: Yeah. That actually makes sense to me, because they don't have... Especially when we see how peacekeepers give birth, it's very easy for them. So they don't have the kind of...
0: Oh, I thought maybe it was the other thing, where, you know, they're, the reason they win is just because there's so many of them, so...
1: Oh, no, birth is really easy for peacekeepers,
0: so... I mean, I guess that makes sense if their whole thing is that they can breed with anyone.
1: Yeah, they don't have the kind of tech that we have for, you know, when things go wrong. Kreis also tells... Aaron that even though there's a spot on the ship to to put a pilot This ship was designed to respond to voice commands and to not need a pilot. Mm. Yeah
0: Wonder if that'll come up.
1: Yeah So John is saying goodbye to Rigel. Okay, whatever I don't
0: like this. The whole thing here is basically John accepting Rigel and being like, you know Even though you tried to stab us in the back and you're, you know, a thieving monster who keeps on nearly getting us all killed for no reason. I like you, little buddy. And it's like, boy, is this disingenuous? Like.
1: I think Rigel gets a pass because he's tiny and you can pick him up.
0: Yeah, because the scene starts out all serious, but then Ben Browder's trying to be threatening to a wee little puppet man. That's an Angel reference.
1: Yes. I think it's impossible to feel intimidated by a thing that you can lift, even when you really should, like with Rigel. That's
0: why I never bought the Chucky movies. Like, I was okay with them turning into straight comedies, even though those comedies were not, by any stretch of the... Yes, they were not good. But, like... Even if he's the doll with the strength of a man, it still feels like you could put, like, a laundry basket on top of him and then sit on top of that and there's nothing you could do. Yeah. Like, I guess he's slightly stronger than the normal person, because... But, I mean, he's still a doll... Like, you can still throw him out the window.
1: Well, wasn't the first Child's Play movie like he was trying to get the kid to do bad things? See, that's that's the part that should be scary.
0: Yeah, well, the thing with the first Child's Play movie is that it's played very close to the vest, and the thing that makes him an efficient killer, an effective killer, is because, A, he's framing Andy for it, so everyone thinks the kid is, you know, killing and just blaming the doll, even though, obviously, we know it's the doll because the movie opens with the guy putting his soul in a doll. Right, right. But, like, like you do. as one does. But, like, the thing is, like, his big thing in the first movie, which I get why they shifted away from it. It's kind of only really effective in the first movie. The only reason he can get away with killing people is because they don't expect a doll to start stabbing them. But when you get, like, four movies into the franchise... It
1: gets a little ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, it got a little ridiculous in the second movie where he beats Andy's teacher to death with a ruler, and I'm like...
1: I don't think that would work. That ruler would would definitely break first. Yeah. 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 Alright, so Chiana made food for everybody. I don't know where she got all this food, but she made a giant feast with everyone's favorite meal so they can have their last family supper together.
0: It's not just food cubes in the shape of everyone's favorite meal? Because that would make more sense.
1: Nope, it's apparently actually everyone's favorite meal. Hmm. And then, okay, way better than Rigel, by the way... We get John saying goodbye to the DRD, whose little eye stalk he fixed in the first episode.
0: It's a sweet moment.
1: (laughs) And we also see him recording his last...
0: Thing to his dad.
1: Yeah, and he's basically like, hey dad, I guess I'm never going to see you again, and also, I'm never going to be a dad myself, because I'm definitely going to die, but I'm doing... What I think is right to save the people I love, and I think you'd be proud of that.
0: A man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah. Don't plan the plan if you can't follow through. And he talks about how much he's grown to love this strange alien thing like family, because literally that's the way humanity works. You uh, give someone a robot vacuum, two weeks later it has googly eyes and they love it. You know, that's how humanity rolls. So,
1: yep. Uh, and actually the uh, And some of the things he's saying to his dad uh, That you just said Was supposed to be in the first episode It was supposed to be in the first Recording he makes to his dad I think it's so Good that the show left it till the end of the first season Because he, had, he hadn't earned it In the first episode Now he really is close to these people Now he really will You know
0: These are people he would be willing to die for Yeah I do like how he assumed the, fa- the like, found family thing really early on, and then the narrative kind of made him have to work into it, because he's like, why aren't we found family yet?
1: Yeah, the show was like, well, you have to earn that. You don't just get to be found family with these escaped prisoners.
0: But then he ended up being right, so.
1: He also says this is John Crichton somewhere in the universe, which is uh, very similar to the opening credit monologue. Mm. And he takes the puzzle ring that remembers his dad's good luck charm. Mm. This episode's got a lot of callbacks in it.
0: So, Zan is praying. I guess she's a priest again. I mean, I guess you can pray if you're not a priest, but...
1: You can definitely pray if you're not a priest. She's actually blessing Jon and Dargo, because we haven't spoken in a while about how this show is a D&D game, but it absolutely is a D&D game, so she's buffing them since they're going to go out in the, in the ship.
0: And then she very conspicuously holds a thing of oil in front of her breasts before anointing them. It's just, it's a weirdly framed shot where she's just like, ah, the sacred oil. And it just holds on her breasts for about ten seconds. I'm like, seems seems unnecessary. Doesn't seem like this was a necessary shot.
1: I, you know what, That I didn't even, didn't even click with me. Didn't even notice that. That's pretty funny.
0: So... John is, you know, quickly doing his Dorothy goodbyes to everyone, and then he gets to the scarecrow. And he's the like, sca- wait, 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 wait. The scarecrace.
1: And he's like, oh, scarecrace, I'll miss you least of all.
0: And Crace is like, suck it and die, loser. <laughs> and John's like, okay, yeah.
1: And then <laughs> the target gears up, and he's like, get it, loser, we're going to go blow up a Gavik face. He also gives, speaking of things calling back to previous episodes, he gives Zan the picture that he carries of his wife and child that we saw before.
0: So something of them will survive. Yeah. And Zan's like, I, thanks. I, I don't know I, what I'm
1: going to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: thanks, I, I guess. If I've, you
1: die, I'm definitely not going to go find your son.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can put it on my mantelpiece maybe. Uh, you
1: know, if, uh...
0: I've got a box full of crap people gave me before they died, I can just throw it in there. Oh
1: god, she probably does. We also find out, like, more- a a little more detail about the plan. This is not necessarily a suicide mission. John and Dargo- Just
0: probably. Just
1: probably. John and Dargo are going to go out there, and at the last possible second, they are going to- Jump out. They're going to bail out! They're going to tuck and roll out of the transport. And then they're going to be floating in space- and dargo can survive floating in space for about 15 minutes and then aaron's gonna swoop in with her prowler and pick them up and then run on back to moya before moya star bursts away that's that's the current plan
0: doesn't seem like a good plan
1: it doesn't seem like one that has a high chance of success but what are you gonna do There's a moment where John kind of leans into Aaron, like maybe they're going to kiss, but then they both decide, no, let's wait until this mission is successful and then we can like go at it.
0: What is this, a Disney Channel original movie?
1: Well, no, because they're straight. They would only do the teasing, maybe we're going to kiss, oh, but no, we're not actually if it was a gay couple in a Disney Channel original movie.
0: Counterpoint, uh, second high school musical movie. Uh, Zach Efron's character spends the whole time trying to get a kiss from What's-Her-Bucket. Really? Yeah, and also zombies, too. This is definitely a thing in there.
1: Huh, I guess it kind of is.
0: Trying to get that kiss, because you can't say hand job on a Disney Channel original movie.
1: Oh my god, okay. I just want to say, as, as slim as the margin for success is here, with Erin scooting around in her prowler to pick them up, uh, if she had not planned on this, if she had just planned on letting them die... The thing that's going to happen really wouldn't have happened. Just mm. throwing that out there.
0: So, the lieutenant is checking in on s Alien.
1: Because he tells him, you know, the transport pod's coming, doing a thing. And Scorpius is like, let's just wait and see what they're doing before we make any sudden moves. Because it might be a trap.
0: Hey, you know, you don't have to tell me constantly what's going on. Like, I know what's happening. Leave me alone. Okay,
1: so rude. Scorpius is like, um, come to me when you have actionable information. Dude, he's just trying to keep you in the loop.
0: There are just no good bosses in the universe. I guess not. So, everyone's, you know, good-lucking John and Dargo, and, you know, on the Peacekeeper ship, everyone's bad-lucking John and Dargo.
1: Well, that's the thing. They On Moya, they're concerned because Scorpius hasn't broken off to chase them yet and then the lieutenant comes back and is like hey, uh, we found out that it's not Kreis on the transport, don't worry it's just a Luxon and a human and Scorpius is like, ah, it's John. okay, let's chase him.
0: John's hair, by the way looks awful in this episode he's got like these like weird page boy bangs.
1: Oh, I think it's just that it's grown out a little bit because it's the end of the season. I don't think it looks terrible
0: it's some Gideon ass hair That's a once upon a time reference It's
1: not that bad
0: It's pretty bad Also Who's cutting John's hair? Is he cutting his own hair?
1: Maybe Maybe
0: Maybe the DRDs are doing it
1: Uh, Yeah Honestly now that Shiana's on the ship Maybe she's gonna cut his hair Yeah
0: I I could see that She's
1: got a pretty uh, Severe haircut So she must be maintaining that herself
0: God I wish they hadn't established That Delvian's can grow hair Because it looks terrible and it means that Xan shaves her head For some reason
1: Uh, Because it looks terrible
0: That's true, yes Why did they give them hair? It looked so bad But yep It's endgame now The thing that they've been building up to is Continuing to build I know this sort of thing is for tension but God is it boring This is why I didn't like um that Star Wars movie where everyone blew up And nothing happened Rogue One? Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I get escalating tension is a thing In this sort of thing But if you escalate tension too much It ironically deflates it And then you're just waiting for something to happen
1: I think this episode Has a good balance Because most of it is emotional stuff And the building tension action stuff Doesn't really happen until the very end
0: yeah, I mean it's just this last part but it just it feels like it's dragging here. We although we do get the significant character beat of Aaron naming Moya's baby after her dad, Talon. Yes. It's lucky that her dad wasn't, I don't know, Doug.
1: I it's lucky that he had a badass name that sounds good as a ship name. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason Aaron gives Moya the name to call Talon is because Talon is not responding. So, here's what's going on. Transport is heading towards the planet. Scorpius is chasing the transport. Talon is not responding to Moya's entreaties. Because
0: she gave birth to a teenager.
1: Because she gave birth to a teenager who wants to go live with his dad.
0: His dad, Grace. Yeah. (laughs) gross. Grace is trying to make a break with Talon. Who's not responding to his... Does he know his name?
1: Yeah. Because I, I have to assume Aaron gave it to him, like, in some sort of... Psychic... Naming ceremony. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's not just Moya shouting, Talon, Talon, and... and, and nothing. He, he's not going to know what that is. No.
1: Oh, uh, we do get a brief moment between Dargo and John. That's one of my favorites.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where... John is like, hey, how come I'm not really freaked out anymore? I'm. I'm. Zen. I'm Zen. And Dargo tells him that anxiety comes with the possibility of death. Calmness heralds its certainty. Hmm. I love that!
0: It is a good turn of phrase. And they like. Bro, fist bump.
1: They bro fist bump and John gives Dargo the good luck charm from his dad. And Dargo's like, Does it work? And John's like, I'm not dead yet. Although I, I would argue, given John's situation, maybe it doesn't work. But, you know, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess.
0: So, John's listing famous pairs that they're like, He's like, Oh, we're going to pull a Kirk and Spock and Abbott and Costello first base. And Dargo's like, I can't believe I'm going to die listening to your dumb <laughs> earth BS. Fine, blow the air hatch, I'm ready for death now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically. And it's a good thing he's ready for death, because Aaron can't rescue them. There are too many ships around them.
0: Guardians of the Galaxy really did kind of rip this off, didn't they? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I also like, I like John and Targo holding hands in space, so that they don't get in a Sandra Bullock gravity situation. I, it's like... They're floating in space, like, holding hands, watching the planet behind them blow up. And John Crichton's like, yeah! Tell him John Crichton was here!
0: It's weird how he wasn't willing to, like, let that vampire alien go onto- Not the bone vampire. The vampire alien. The virus
1: vampire. Yeah, the
0: virus vampire before- It's weird how he's like, no, no, it would be wrong to let it go kill all those peacekeepers. But he's totally fine just blowing them up himself. I guess murder doesn't count if you do it directly, or... I don't know. There's only honor in directly killing people, like...
1: I think, and I said this at the time when we talked about the virus, uh...
0: The chair changed him?
1: The chair changed him. Yeah, he... He wasn't willing to sacrifice peacekeepers when he had not yet been a prisoner of the peacekeepers, and I think that's an important thing to talk about because we were talking about found family in this episode, and... John has always had kind of a centrist attitude towards the peacekeepers when compared to all of his shipmates. And that's because they had been captured and tortured by peacekeepers for years in a way that he was not. Now that he has been, he understands where they're coming from. He understands that the peacekeepers are a thing to be feared and avoided and, if possible, defeated.
0: Hmm. So meanwhile, uh, Chris is being a huge dick and running off with Talon.
1: Yeah, he's like, you know what, I think we can starburst away, I think it'll be fine <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you know what, Talon's Talon can make his own decisions and he can decide to live with me if he wants
0: Screw you, Iroh, I'm gonna go off with my sister
1: Yeah, yeah, basically this it, it, It's funny, we, you're right, we compared Kreis to Zuko earlier, but really it's it's Talon who's Zuko here And, and Aaron is Iroh in this scenario
0: is, uh, Azula.
1: Grace is Azula, which makes sense because we have never talked about this. But one of the things they've been doing with Crace, as he becomes less and less in command, is having his hair become more and more frayed. Right, like it was in a very tight ponytail, and then it's been coming out piece by piece, just like Azula.
0: Isn't it weird to think that Azula is the same age as, respectively, Dawn and Buffy, and uh, Steven Universe?
1: I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but that does make sense. I mean, if you're going to have shows with like child saviors, you may as well have a show with a child tyrant that works. Yeah.
0: Someone pointed out that the uh, two biggest victories, like, they pointed out Ozai has literally the shortest reign as Fire Lord on record that we see from characters in the show. Uh huh. His is the shortest. He only has two major victories during his time as Fire Lord. Uh,. And both of them are from him Letting his teenage daughter do whatever she wants So really They're both Azula's victories And the additional point Was that he only became Fire Lord Because of his wife And his wa- And he was only married to his wife Because of his dad So basically the only thing Ozai did by himself Was suck and lose They're like He's... Presented as this big, intimidating figure, but he doesn't successfully do anything over the course of the show. Well,
1: Azula's far scarier than Ozai.
0: Like, the one thing Ozai, we see Ozai successfully do is defeat his, what, 12, 13-year-old son in hand-to-hand combat? A son
1: who doesn't want to fight him, who's refusing to fight him. Like, that wasn't even a real test of their cl- of their respective strengths, because... Yeah. Zuko wasn't fighting him.
0: I mean, honestly, having the series end with Aang taking him out is sort of anticlimactic because he doesn't effectively do anything at any point.
1: Well, I mean, what we really had was Aang learning to take away bending powers. That's the real thing. Mm. Which... We'll come back to haunt him later! Well, not him. Yeah. Well, sort of him.
0: Yeah, sort of him. But, like... The... Just the weird thing about that show, and having a villain who doesn't actually do anything, like, Azula is the real big bad, except she's only doing it to impress her dad, so I guess that's why, like, Ozai's real power is from traumatizing his children.
1: Yep, Daddy Issues were the real villain all along. Wow.
0: So, any crazy... Speaking of Daddy Issues. Speaking of Daddy Issues... Crace is radioing Moya to have a reverse Dorothy speech, an inverse of what John did, where he's like, screw all of you!
1: Except possibly Aaron. Aaron, if you want to join us later, you're welcome to.
0: But the rest of you can suck my space dick!
1: Yeah, he really wants to do a thing, this is gonna come up again later, he really wants to do a thing where, like, he and Aaron are Talon's mom and dad, and they're, like, wandering space with, like, their their ship baby
0: Okay I I don't know
1: All right so Talon takes off and John tells Moya that she has to starburst away. Moya obviously doesn't want to starburst without her without her baby and John tells her that and this is the part that broke me. John tells her, "Look, go. Leave us to die because we're pretty much SOL." Um, but you need to starburst away because you need to save yourself so that you can find Talon. Like, that's- that's the only move here. You have to starburst a thing you said you would not do without your child. Without your child. Because that's the only chance you have of being reunited with him. Mm. That's so heartbreaking.
0: I, mean, I I know it can't be because John's wearing a spacesuit and Dargo's just floating dead in space, but this speech really should be coming from Dargo! Because Dargo's
1: the one who lost his son?
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. That's interesting. Instead, what we get from Dargo is, like, the super dramatic shot after Moya starbursts away, where we see the good luck charm in his hand kind of drift away, because he's unconscious, because it's been more than 15 minutes in space.
0: Don't let go of that! It has an infinity stone in it.
1: <laughs> Oof. So, yeah. John's floating in space. Dargo's dead. Aaron can't get to them. Grace has run off with Talon, and Moya has starburst away.
0: So if she could have, she just didn't feel like it.
1: Uh, they, were, they, they were discussing- They're
0: out of the asteroid film.
1: Yeah, they were discussing before, like, are we far enough out yet? Are we far enough out yet? So, yeah. So, uh, that's the- The end. The end of the season. And they didn't know if they were coming back! They were re- They were willing to leave us there with that as the finale.
0: Good for them. Dang. So, Yeah. Um. That that's the end of the episode.
1: I, I I'm sorry. I the ending gets to me. It's so I don't know dramatic. Like I I feel it. It it works for me on an emotional level. It's like it gut punches me. Hmm. But yeah, that's that's the end of the episode.
0: So yeah, that's uh the end of Farscape season one. Mm, solid. I'm still not a sci-fi guy, but you know I'm coming back for season 2 All right Yeah so uh, we should get into our segments
1: Yeah so our first segment is well I feel like our first segment we don't really have anything cuz this was
0: yeah uh, we it was
1: weirdly a bottle episode
0: Yeah our s- first se- strange alien creatures is our first segment where we talk about creature designs and well, there wasn't really any so
1: Yeah no, new ones. Yeah. So our second segment is A Distant Part of the Universe, which was what world-building worked for you.
0: I did like the stuff with Erin's backstory, that she's, you know, a child of a romantic couple, which is just straight up not a thing in Peacekeeper Society, which is the sort of thing you could infer, but I liked it getting confirmed.
1: Yes, I. that's mine too. Uh, learning, getting the T's at least, we won't see them yet, but getting the T's for... Erin's parents and, and her her backstory. Uh, I feel like the further we get into Aaron's backstory, the more once upon a time connections we might start to make. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, right now we know she's the product of true love, but I feel like there are some more connections we'll see as we meet her mother. And the final segment is uh, looking for a way home, which is what emotionally got you this episode.
0: Okay. It's a very little thing in terms of everything that went down in this episode. But the bit where Eren says that she wasn't expecting to live this long. Mm. Just the sort of casual, sort of half-amused, half rueful way she says it.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It got me. And I mean, for me, it was obviously... Moya having to leave Talon behind.
0: I mean, she's not really leaving Talon behind because he left.
1: Okay, here's... No, no, I mean... Well, yeah, but her having to starburst away. Yeah. The thing about starbursting, especially in the Uncharted territories, is that it's very hard to track where someone is once they starburst. So once she does that, Talon can't come back to her. He can't change her mind. He can't change his mind and come back. Like, he will not have a way to locate her.
0: Honestly, I don't get why Talon decided to go off with Grace.
1: Because Grace appealed to him as a
0: Teenager. peacekeeper. Yeah. Oh.
1: Like, Grace was like, "This is a part of you." Grace is basically YouTube radicalizing Talon. Uh. Yeah. It's scary and horrifying, and just to like spoil that sadness a little bit, let me let me tell you the description of the next episode. Okay. Now, now. People watching this show as it aired had to wait three months for this, but everybody else can breathe a sigh of relief as I read you the description of Season 2, Episode 1, Mind the Baby. Crichton, Aaron, and Dargo are stranded in an asteroid field while Scorpius searches for them. Their safety depends on Krace, who is nearby in Talon. Aaron teaches Krace how to control the young Leviathan, the only thing she can offer in return for the lives of her friends. When Moira returns to the asteroid field to look for her offspring and Crichton decides to remove Krace from control of Talon, Scorpius finally sees his chance to strike. So, you know.
0: So nothing in this episode mattered.
1: We're not going to leave people floating in space for too long. That's what I'm saying. Hmm.
0: Well, then that, I'll about do it.
1: Yeah, I think that's it for us for this week. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maricruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate.
0: Uh, if you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television.
0: We can also be contacted at Zines on Twitter, or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina.
0: And I'm Max. And this
1: has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.